This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported thousands of women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. So if you're frustrated, if you're doubting yourself, if you're not enjoying the journey, there's a better way. Together, we'll break through your past patterns, we'll eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and most importantly, enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks for spending some of your time with me today. I know you could be listening to anything, doing a lot of different things, and I just hope you know that it means a lot to me that you are here, and I hope you give yourself credit for using your time to make yourself better. And ultimately, what matters is that you do something with it, that you take action, and don't ever tell yourself that there is action you can take that's too small because there isn't. There isn't. Little hinges swing big doors, so pursue small action steps today. What I want to talk about today is three mistakes that a lot of times people don't know they're making that are keeping them from consistency. And I want you to think about, are you making all three of these? Are you making one of them? What are you going to do differently today? Because recognizing, oh yeah, that's me, is great. But if it's not paired with doing something differently and taking what you know and using it for change... You're just going to stay where you're at, right? Let's dive in to the first mistake that a lot of people don't know they're making that's keeping them from consistency, and that is overvaluing strategy and undervaluing skills. Overvaluing strategy, undervaluing skills. This is so huge. And the most obvious example of what this looks like is the person who wants to lose weight and they go from calorie counting to macro counting to low carb to high protein to carnivore to intermittent fasting to one meal a day to intuitive eating, thinking that, oh, this next strategy is going to be the strategy that works for me. What is so much more valuable than strategy are your skills. It's a much more effective approach to focus on skills like becoming a better thinker, becoming a better problem solver, paying more attention to your body instead of checking out, right? Tuning in to what is happening in your body and your energy and your hunger and your mood instead of checking out. Or the skill of becoming really consistent. That is a skill. You hear me say that all the time. I was 
having a conversation with my sister the other day about money and how when I was in my early 30s, the approach, the strategy that I was really bought into was the Dave Ramsey get out of debt, you know, debt snowball, start with the smallest debt. And over the years, I've studied so many different strategies. And we were talking about this next phase of our financial journeys. And it kind of came up in the conversation of like, well, which strategy is the right strategy? Because there's so many different ways to approach things like wealth building or uh, financial freedom. And I was like, the strategy doesn't matter as much as the skill set. And when it comes to money, a big part of that skill set is being really well educated. And that's so different than with things like nutrition, where you don't have to be as well educated. You don't have to know all the ins and the outs to make better choices. And, and you can go a long way on consistency. Whereas when it comes to money, the being really street smart with money and having a depth of understanding about different types of investments and the pros and cons of those things is so valuable. There are so many different strategies, but the strategy is not as valuable as your underlying skill set. Get really good. Not really good at jumping on the next bandwagon. We're seeing this all the time right now. What are people doing? They're flocking to these new medications that they think hold some promise that the other 67 things they tried didn't. I don't think that all of a sudden that's going to be the golden ticket. And that pattern is the problem. The pattern of, oh, it's this thing. No, it's that thing. No, it's the next thing. No, it's the next thing. Focus on your skill set. Get really skilled. Get really skilled. I see this in book writing where people are like, I'm going to take this course and this guy has this process where you do this thing. And then, oh, well, I was I started with it, but it didn't really work because of X, Y, Z. Now I'm going to try it this way. And everybody is strategy hopping. And social media makes this really easy to do because somebody shares their success with the strategy and you think, mm, that sounds like it might work for me. Don't continue to over emphasize strategy. Instead, focus on skill building. Focus on skill building. In my opinion, two of the most valuable skills you can build are becoming a better thinker and building the skill of consistency. Then it doesn't matter if you're in a season where you're focusing on fitness or you're in a season where you're focusing on fat loss or you're in a season where you're focusing on, on parenting or money or business you will benefit in all of those seasons because of those skill sets. Strategies are a dime a dozen and they can all work. But none of them will work if you don't have the skills of things like becoming a better thinker or being very consistent. Another mistake that a lot of people are making and it's keeping them from consistency is trying to do it by yourself. And let me just say, can you do it alone? Sure, of course. However, it's going to take a lot longer and it's going to be a lot more difficult. There's the other thing about asking for help. 
that I've been really tuned into lately. Even when folks do ask for help, it tends to be in a way that nobody can help them. And I saw this in myself when I was going through this course and I ran into a frustration and I committed to asking for help, but my tendency, like what I wanted to do, the easy thing to say when you make the leap to ask for help is like, I'm stuck. I don't get it. I need help. But that makes it very hard for the person on the other end to help you. Instead, what I challenged myself to do is say, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm struggling with. This is specifically what I don't understand. This is what I think it means. This, these are the things I've tried. And these are the specific questions that I have. I had somebody message me the other day. And there's somebody that I work with in a business capacity. And they have an opportunity to do this business thing. And the message said something like, hey, so I want to do this business thing. Do you have any tips for me? And I said, I can help you more if you come to me. I mean, it's great that she asked for help, but the way you ask for help matters too, right? Because I can't, like general tips. I don't, I don't, I don't know, or you mean tips like, you know, be confident and, and connect with people or are you talking about what to say and what not? I mean, it's just too, it's too general for me to really be helpful. So I said to her, you come to me with what you intend to present and your specific questions. So I put this together. This is what I have. This is how I'm thinking it will go. I'm struggling, for example, with the transition from my story to the opportunity. How do you make that transition? Can you give me an example of how you would make that transition if you were giving a presentation? That I can help with. If that is the question, I can answer. But when you just say, hey, I need help, or hey, I'm stuck, or hey, I can't do this, you're putting the person on the receiving end in a tough place. You're making it very hard for them to help you. When you ask for help, and please ask for help, be specific. If somebody says to me, and I get these emails all the time, I'm stuck, I need help. I can't help. You've put the burden on me to figure out what it is that you need, and that's probably not going to be successful or timely. But if you said, hey, Elizabeth, I'm trying to stop eating after dinner. I make a strategy, but I can't seem to stick to it. I keep telling myself, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I've been so good all day. Do you have an episode on this? Or have you ever faced that and what worked for you? You have to give people a way to help you. My clients might say in that situation of the eating after dinner, are there specific strategies or guides that you can point me to? Like what resources are there that maybe would be helpful to me in this situation? That is very, very different. Most of us aren't asking for help. And I just, you can tell, I have a lot of examples of what I told my sister and her girlfriend because they were just here. I told them, this is my season of asking for help. Asking questions that I need answered that maybe in the past I would have thought like, oh, that's going to seem stupid. Or I should know the answer to that. Or I don't know who to ask, right? 
that's where we start. That's not where we stop. Most people are just not asking for help. And then what happens? You're frustrated, you're disengaged, and you just withdraw to your corner and it prolongs the struggle. It keeps you from getting better, from doing better, from making progress, all because you didn't want to ask for help. Start asking questions. Start asking for help. Pick somebody to learn from. And maybe you can't ask them questions directly, but you can read their books. You can read their blogs. You can listen to when they've appeared on other people's podcasts. Maybe you can find a way to connect with people that they've worked with. Maybe they have an online community that you can be a part of and you can ask questions there. There's so many options, but you're definitely going to slow down your progress. You're going to decrease your chances of progress and struggle for longer if you are not asking for help. It's just true. The third mistake that a lot of people are making that is keeping them from consistency is being too emotional about the process. Way too emotional way too emotional about the process. Chris and I were driving the other day and I was, he was driving and I was checking email on my phone and I was like, it's always a flag when there's a lot of exclamation points and a lot of question marks and a lot of emojis in an email. Like, let's be less emotional. Let's be more logical. Let's be a little more neutral emotionally. And to be very, very, very clear and to avoid all misunderstanding, I do not think emotions are bad at all. But there's being in control of emotions and there's allowing emotions to be in control of you. And that's not even to say that emotions should never be in control. I will tell you right now that when my daughter died, my emotions were in control. And as I see it, that's probably a pretty normal response. And that doesn't last forever. But when it's an emotional roller coaster over every cookie, every missed workout, every time you can't get the computer to work the way that you wanted it to, like that needs to be addressed. That is a barrier that is keeping you from consistency. When you confuse what you choose with who you are, that is something that needs to be addressed. When you confuse the choice that you made with the person that you are, that is something that needs to be addressed. Often in in those places where we're frustrated or we're disappointed and we're highly charged emotionally with whatever's going on, we think, oh, well, this new strategy will fix it because I'm only upset because this strategy didn't work. We're missing the mark. We're missing the mark because it's just not true that all of a sudden your emotions are going to be regulated when you start making better choices. The, the emotional management probably needs to come first. You don't have to like the choice that you made, but you also don't have to overreact about it. A term that I really love and I use a lot in my own life is emotional sobriety. And I find a lot of value in recognizing when I'm not emotionally sober. And I try to not act or choose or communicate from that place. 
Example, I came downstairs the other day and I was real frustrated over a work thing. I was trying to figure something out, couldn't figure it out. I come downstairs, I'm like just frazzled. And that's probably a mild description of how I was feeling. So I come down and I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee and the kitchen is a mess. Chris had been with the kids and and whatever the last meal was, he hadn't picked up from it. And it, you know, normally I might not have this reaction, but it just like, it set me off. I, I was un, inappropriately irritated about it, right? Like it, I was just having an exaggerated reaction to the fact that breakfast dishes were still out. But because I knew I wasn't emotionally sober in that, mo- in that moment, I was frustrated. I was irritated. I was concerned. I was feeling doubtful. I know in a moment that lacks emotional sobriety, I should not be having a conversation with my husband about something that I don't like. Not the time. Right? When we are angry or very stressed or sometimes even just overtired, if we're really sad, if we're really mad... It's not the best time to make a decision about a snack, about a person, about a relationship, about a text message to send, about an email to send. Like, it's just just not a good time. A lot of people are holding themselves back from consistency because they're too emotional about the process. One of the practices that's really helpful for me here is reframing these feelings. I had a big sushi dinner with family a couple nights before my birthday because we were sort of celebrating since not everybody was going to be around on my actual birthday. And I felt so full after dinner. And if there are ever feelings that arise out of habit or pattern that are like regret, shame, disappointment, I challenge myself to look for other ways to see it. Not because the way that I'm seeing it is wrong or bad, but because maybe it is more useful especially if I'm in a place of not feeling like I'm going to make great decisions or, or my emotional state is going to negatively impact my goals, my health, how I feel the following day. But it's not to say that we have to reframe everything. So uh, my husband was flying home with his daughter, my bonus daughter, and their flight was canceled. And I was bummed about it. And I was bummed about it because it meant essentially, potentially, one less day and a very short trip that she was going to get with her siblings and with us. It's okay to be bummed, right? We don't have to change and reframe just because we can. It's okay to be bummed. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. It's all okay. And I'm not a therapist also. These are just my opinions. When it becomes an issue is when we're saying things like, then what's the point? Or I might as well. Or you're turning to food because you're so stressed or because you're so anxious or because you're so angry. Or that's when you're derailing the commitments that you've made to yourself. That's when we want to turn to tools. But don't think that It's a problem if you're angry or you're let down or you're sad or you're frustrated. It's not. You absolutely can shift those feelings if you want to shift those feelings, but there's nothing bad or wrong or unproductive about feelings. And what is also true 
is that when we are too emotional about things, it can get in the way of our consistency. And you know what this looks like and you know what this doesn't look like. You know, I'm not talking about the fact that you're really sad about losing a pet. I'm talking about when you get on the scale and it doesn't reflect what you want it to reflect and it impacts your mood all day long. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you said you were going to eat clean today, but you had donuts in the break room and you're beating yourself up for it. That's what I'm talking about. Being emotional instead of objective, being attached to how you feel about the problem instead of attached to what you can do about the solution. These are three problems that are getting in the way of consistency. Overvaluing strategy and undervaluing skills, trying to do it all yourself, and being too emotional about the process. I want to invite you guys, if you want to take this to the next level, to think about joining me in the consistency course. I'll link it up in the show description. All I want to say about it today is this. There's a lot of people listening to podcasts and reading books, and they're still in the same place today that they were in a year ago, or they still haven't made meaningful progress toward a goal. And I don't want that to be you. I want this to be a time of meaningful and fulfilling change for you. I really, really do. All right. Everybody have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.